Welcome to Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Richard Morin, of course, bringing you the newest and latest episode of our Locked On Podcast, available anywhere you guys get your podcasts. Of course, you can get them on azcentral.com as well, but we're also on Megaphone, iTunes, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, literally everywhere that you can get your hands on podcasts. We are there, so you can check us out anywhere. Uh, definitely uh, be sure to download and rate and review. Uh, it is much, much, much appreciated. I would uh, love to get your guys' feedback uh, on on the podcast, how we're doing so far. It's been really fun for me. This is um, what my probably my fourth episode now, I think, since I took over the Locked On podcast. I'm, I guess say I'm really enjoying it. I've had a lot of fun uh, talking with you guys and and getting your listener questions and uh, and everything like that. So I uh, really do appreciate you guys uh, engaging with the podcast and um, you know giving me feedback and, and asking questions and and tuning in. Most of all, that uh, is much appreciated. So uh, the Coyotes now firmly know where they are standing uh, here at the All Star break. Coyotes at 57 points, finding themselves uh, right in the first wild card position. They have the tiebreaker in games played over the Vegas Golden Knights, who also have 57 points. Uh, right behind them, the Winnipeg Jets with a game in hand at 54 points, and with the same number of games played and three points down in the standings, it's the Chicago Blackhawks? What? My computer screen must be glitching up because it's telling me that the Chicago Blackhawks are in the playoff race. So I don't know what the heck's going on with the uh, NHL website. Maybe they got to look into that. But uh, at any rate, uh, the Coyotes just one point out of first place in the standings. They got some help uh, from uh, from their conference um, from their conference here in the last couple of days. Coyotes, of course, ending play over the weekend, but teams like Winnipeg uh, and Vegas continue to play. So Vegas and Winnipeg both losing uh, on Tuesday and uh, Chicago uh, as well. Chicago has gotten themselves right back in this race, six and four in their last 10. They've been playing uh, quite well of late, still a, a negative six goal differential and uh, 161 goals allowed that's uh you know by far the most uh when you look at the teams that are, are slated to be uh in the playoffs in both the central pacific and and the top wildcard teams in the hunt in the western conference so interesting that chicago is back in the mix here coyotes will be seeing them uh very very soon out of the break uh they get a couple of games against california teams and then they host Chicago, and that's really what we're going to talk about most is is kind of where the Coyotes are right now, what they need to do, what we need to see from them uh, in the in the in the coming weeks coming out of this break. Because look, it's not all doom and gloom, and I know I came with the podcast uh, on Saturday, and we were kind of talking about where the Coyotes stood after a seven three loss to Edmonton, that came also after a three one loss at Vancouver, two games. The Coyotes would have really, really liked to have, uh, and they didn't get them. And the Coyotes were went all the way down from first place in the Pacific to fifth place, and it wasn't looking uh, so hot for them. We were talking kind of doom and gloom a little bit. So now we're, we're f- several days removed from that conversation. Think of this as now your, your sober reflection of where the Coyotes are as compared to that knee-jerk reaction we had after that Saturday game, which was warranted. Look, that game against uh, Edmonton on Saturday, you're entitled to feel which, however you want to feel after that train wreck performance. 
But now that we're, you know, three, four, five days removed from that, we can look at things a bit more clearer and really see how the Coyotes are situated right now and uh, the situation uh, also that uh, they're, that's, that's facing them and basically what they're going to need to do at this point because there is certainly, um, you know, there, there is certainly a lot that they need to do. There's a lot that they need to overcome. There's a lot that they need to... Uh, get going. And right now, it's just not good enough. They're going to come out of the break. So let's take a look at the schedule here. Read you guys the standings. You know where the standings are, but you need to understand what the Coyotes can do coming out of the break. Game one, January 29th at Anaheim. That's got to be a win. The next day, you come back home, January 30th, you get the Los Angeles Kings. That's got to be a win. You need two wins right there against the California teams, no matter what. Given the fact that the Coyotes have really been treading water for the last you know, several weeks or so, unable to sustain any kind of winning, and they've had a couple of you know, significant, we'll say, losing stretches in there, and of course they're dealing with injuries and everything like that, if they come out of the break with a fully healthy team and they can't get wins at Anaheim and L.A., we got a problem. We have a real, real problem at that point. You don't want to put too much emphasis on those two games, but there are 31 games left. 31 games. That's two of them. That's two of those 31 games. And these are games, these are the ones you have to have. And the reason that those are the ones you have to have is because February is absolutely bonkers. It's a bonkers schedule, with the exception, okay, you, you, you're hosting Chicago, the third game after the break, you're hosting Chicago on the first. That's got to be a win. Granted, I know Chicago is playing a little bit better of late. I don't care. That's got to be a win for you. Uh, And then you have Edmonton. Uh, You have two days off at home. That's big. Two days off at home and you host Edmonton. You got to win that game. I understand Edmonton's a good team. They're top three in the Pacific right now, but you have two games off from Chicago, which isn't a team that's going to you know, bury you physically. You should be able to get through that Chicago game feeling pretty good physically. You get two days off, so you have a practice day, maybe two practice days, and then you get Edmonton. I got to believe you have to win that Edmonton game. And then you get Carolina at home uh, on the 6th. So on uh, on Tuesday, you're, you're hosting Edmonton. On Thursday, you're hosting Carolina. That's a toss-up game. I think Carolina's a good team. I gotta think you. I'm, I'm gonna give you the edge. I'm gonna give you the favorability in that game because it's a it's a home game. So you gotta win that game. But here's where it really gets rough. Home game against Carolina on Thursday, 7 p.m. Then you have an off day on Friday, flying to Boston. So it's not really an off day. You're flying to Boston. They're probably not gonna fly that night. They're probably gonna fly first thing in the morning, Friday morning. And then they play in Boston at 1 p.m. 1 p.m. One day in between a game in Arizona and Boston. And the game in Boston is at 1 p.m. That is brutal. So I got to think they're going to lose that Boston game, especially since the Coyotes, it feels like they have never won a game in Boston. They absolutely cannot win at TD Garden. So I'm going to go ahead and say that Boston is going to win that game. So you have games like this in the schedule, right? They come up, you have games that are that look like they're going to be really, really, really tough to win. 
that makes these games against Anaheim and LA and Chicago and two days off before hosting Edmonton, you got to get points out of those games. You got to get two points out of those games because you have games like that. You have games like that against Boston that it's like, you look at that in the schedule, and I'm not saying there's no chance the Coyotes win that game. Of course they might. I mean, they won back-to-back against St. Louis and Washington on consecutive days. You know, nothing is impossible, but given the Coyotes' track record in that building and that awful schedule turnaround, I got to be thinking the Coyotes are not favorites in that game, not even close. So then it's a trip through Canada. You got Montreal, who is, which has really slipped, but handed you a loss in Glendale. Then you have Toronto the next day. So you go Montreal to Toronto, a back-to-back. Toronto has slipped as well, but they are another team that handed you an L at Gila River Arena. You get one off day, and then you got Ottawa. Got to believe the Coyotes are definitely favorites in that Ottawa game. But I'm going to give them, uh, you know, it's a toss-up in the in the Montreal and Toronto games. Then you're at home. You host the Capitals. And I know you beat the Capitals, but they're one of the best teams in the league. Then you get the Islanders, whose style really, really bothered you when you played them. That was... That was one of the Coyotes' worst games of the year when they played on Long Island. So I got to think that Washington and, and, and the Islanders game, those are going to be really tough. Then you're on the road again. You get a back-to-back, another back-to-back. Dallas and St. Louis. I know you beat St. Louis in a back-to-back earlier. But again, it's by no means makes it a given. And Dallas, they've been so hot and cold this year, you don't know which Dallas team you're going to get. And then you come back home, and guess who you got? The Tampa Bay Lightning. Very, very good team. You get two days off, and then you got Florida, another good team. Then you have three days off, and you get Buffalo. And that's got to be a win. Buffalo can't win any games outside of Buffalo. So you got to believe that's a win, too, um, and is, especially since you have three days off. So if they can weather that February schedule, that March schedule looks really, really doable. March, March looks very, very friendly for the Coyotes, but February is an opportunistic month. There's something... There's games that they need to take advantage of in order to navigate this schedule because I'm looking at that Boston game and I'm looking at a back-to-back in Montreal and Toronto, a back-to-back in Dallas and St. Louis, both on the road, back-to-backs, tough home games against... I mean, none of these home games are easy, with the exception of the Chicago game, which I don't even really consider an easy game. With the exception of the Chicago game, these are the home games. I mean, Edmonton, Carolina, Washington, Islanders, Lightning, Panthers, and Sabres. I mean, I think all of those teams, except for the Sabres and maybe the maybe the Hurricanes and I mean maybe the Blackhawks, like all of those teams are playoff teams, and they're really really good playoff teams too. So it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. I think they can go through Canada and make some noise, but. You know, they're going to have to take advantage, I think, these two games to end January. These California games, Anaheim and L.A., are going to be of the utmost importance for the Coyotes. They're going to have to win those games uh, if they have a chance here, if they want to be able to build up those points. Um, and, and like I said, I think they're on pace for about 92 points, and a lot of analytics have them graded a little bit better than that. They think that they're going to pick it up here in the second half. We're going to break down those analytics next. We're going to take a quick break here on Locked on Coyotes.
All right, and welcome back. Richard Morn here with Locked On Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're here talking Coyotes and, and where they stand right now at the All-Star break. And we brought you the latest episode of the podcast on Saturday after that horrendous Edmonton loss. And yes, we were talking about how things looked pretty gloomy. And I'm not saying things are all, you know, peaches and rainbows. Is that is that the saying? <laughs> peaches and rainbows right now with the Coyotes. Uh, but it certainly doesn't look as bad. I'm looking right now on The Athletic, and Dom Lushushin has uh, his uh, NHL playoff chances and, and, and standings uh, projections for this season. I love looking through these because, and a lot of times Dom's model, to be fair, has been unfriendly to the Coyotes, but it has come around. It looks like Dom's model is a little bit more... Uh, friendly to the Coyotes in recent weeks, even after this tough stretch. So uh, right now I'm looking at Dom's model, and it is saying that the Coyotes right now are projected for 93.1 points. That is their pace. They have a 20% chance to finish first in the division. That is second by only the Vancouver Canucks, who have a 32% chance uh, to finish uh, in uh, first place in the division. So things are looking pretty good for the Coyotes in that regard. You know, Dom's model takes, you know, obviously puts some focus on, on certain things or maybe some other models focus on other things. But, you know, Dom's model is, has proven to be pretty reliable uh, when looking at these sort of things. And I think I think what it does really is it, is it lets you know where the Coyotes are heading because right now they're on pace for fewer points than that given their current point total. But Dom is saying that they're poised to turn it around a little bit, even with a rough February schedule. And that's because March, I think, is very favorable. If the Coyotes can navigate this and they can keep keep their goaltending healthy, that's really got to be the key, right? I mean, I talked with John Chica the other day, and you guys can head to sports.azcentral.com uh, for the full Q&A. I talked to John Chica about uh, a number of different um, topics surrounding the team. Uh, that that, is, uh, that uh, story is for subscribers only. So if you're a subscriber to AZ Central and the Arizona Republic, you can look and and, and look at that Q&A that I did with John Chica. We talked about Clayton Keller's struggles. We talked about the tight race in the Pacific Division. We talked about injury updates, but we also talked about injury protocol and, and what and how a player is looped into the decision-making process uh, of whether or not they, they feel they're ready to be uh, you know placed back into game action when perhaps that might not be the case. Uh, we talked about uh, the importance of playing uh, a heavy, heavy physical style of play down the stretch uh, and in the playoffs and, and whether or not a team can do that and also play fast. So lots of interesting topics covered in that Q&A. Uh, subscribers only. That's over at sports.azcentral.com. But to give you a little taste of what John was talking about, I asked him about the injury situation and whether or not all of the Coyotes injured players are going to be ready to return out of the break. Now, everyone wants to know about Darcy Kemper. Is Darcy Kemper going to be ready? It seems like he should be ready to start team practices at the very least. So I'm not I'm not sitting here telling you that he is going to be starting in Anaheim on the 29th. The Coyotes' first practice is the 26th, I believe, which is a Sunday. So it's this Sunday. Um, I'm not going to be covering that practice. I'm going to be out of town. I'll be in in Florida taking a little all-star weekend break. But the Coyotes will be practicing at least two or three times between the 26th and the 29th, um, that 29th being the game at Anaheim. I'm not sitting here telling you that Darcy Kemper is a lock to start that game. I don't even know if Ante Rant is a lock to start that game. Uh, who knows who's going to be in that? Is that going to be Aiden Hill? Is it going to be Ivan Prozvitov? You know, your guess 
honestly at this point is as good as mine. But John Schreiger did tell me that Darcy Gemper has been skating on his own and should be ready to start at least team practices um, on uh, on the 26th or, or perhaps you know a day or two later before that Anaheim game. So what that essentially means is at that point, the Coyotes need to see if he's ready for game action. I mean, Kemper's been out for quite a while. And for goaltenders, you can take a little bit of time to get back up to speed. So, you know, Kemper is going to have to be kind of worked into it. He's going to have to feel, you know, as though he's in game shape. Uh, certainly the Coyotes would love to have him back for the 29th. But if, if he can't play, you know, those first two games or so, I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. If they have him, if they get Darcy Kemper back by February, you know, right at the beginning of February, I think you're in pretty good shape. You know, it's unfortunate that Auntie Ranta wasn't able to, you know, uh, take the reins and 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 really do what he needed to do for the team. Um, you know, yet another injury kind of derailing uh, Auntie Ranta's hopes at kind of securing securing a starter spot with this team because he had the chance to do exactly what Kemper did to him, and uh, and Auntie Ranta just wasn't able to stay in net to do it. So we're gonna take another quick break here on Lockdown Coyotes, and then we're gonna wrap up the podcast after that. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Lockdown Coyotes. I am your host, Richard Morin, and talking about how the Coyotes can 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 start to get a run because right now, and I, t- I think I talked about this a little bit in my first podcast, what has been eluding the Coyotes and really every team in the Pacific, except for maybe the Canucks because the Canucks went on a nice run, is that long-sustained winning streak or, you know, you win 10 of 12 or, you know, 8 of 9 or it doesn't even have to be consecutive wins. You just got to stretch them together. The Coyotes really, they just haven't had that. And really neither have the Oilers and and neither have the uh, neither have the Flames or, 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 you know, the Golden Knights. And you have to imagine the first team or really if any of the teams can do that, that might be the difference. That might be the difference in this race. Who's going to get hot? Because the Coyotes are not hot right now. They're ice cold. And, and the break came at a perfect time because I felt like the Coyotes were playing their worst hockey of the season when the break came. And I, I think everybody knows that. And if you read that Q&A with John Chica, I think that comes through in his comments too, that the Coyotes were up and down and they finished on the down, right? And then they kind of, I think they got to hope that it's over. You know, they got some guys that need to play better. I mean, forget about Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz who need to play better, no doubt. But look at what they're getting through the middle. I mean, Brad Richardson, I know, is a little banged up right now. But even when healthy, he's not hes not really helping you on either sides of the ice right now. Carl Soderberg has really taken a step back. You know, Christian Dvorak's playing well. I think Derek Stepan's okay. You know, you got Michael Shapoot. And, you know, Michael Shapoot's been okay, but really hasn't been anything to write home about. And... The Coyotes, they're just not getting any any sustained, consistent play down the middle right now, with the exception of, you know, Dvorak and 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 you know, Stepan to I guess to a lesser extent. I mean Stepan's been alright uh lately with that, you know, Kraus and Kessel line. But at what point do you think about Barrett Hayton and say, hey, you know, maybe Barrett Hayton's gotta get in there. You know, maybe we can't count on Brad Richardson. Maybe we can't Count on Carl Soderberg for the minutes that we thought we could. You know, maybe we got to move Nick Schmaltz to the center, uh, and that'll get him going. I don't know. 
I don't know. Maybe we got to break up Taylor Hall and Connor Garland. As much as that might pain Coyotes fans to hear, maybe it's what you got to do because you can't win games and you certainly can't make the playoffs or win in the playoffs with one line. And that's what the Coyotes have right now. They have one line. On some nights, they have two. And that's it. I mean, that's that's a reality of the situation. Maybe, you know, Barrett Hayton is not going to be ready to step in right away. Still nursing uh, that shoulder injury suffered in the World Juniors. But, you know, it's enough time where you bring in guys like Brad Richardson, who should be healthy coming out of the break. Maybe you put in Brad Richardson and say, hey, you know, if, if Brad doesn't work out for, you know, three, four, five games out of the break, maybe he's got to sit down. And maybe he's got to sit down. And you get it. Maybe the same can be said for Jordan Osterley. You know, if Jordan Osterley doesn't show me something, you know, and I'm talking from the team's perspective here, you, I mean, you have to have the mindset where if Jordan Osterley doesn't show you something, you know, maybe that's Kyle Capobianco's spot now. You know, I mean, maybe we got to trade for uh, a Justin Schultz and it's got to be his spot. Maybe we have to. I mean, we have to do something, and I think you can say the same for Barrett Hayton. You know, maybe you got to get Christian Fisher in there. Maybe you got to move Schmaltz to center and get Christian Fisher. I don't know what you got to do, but you got to do something. You know, maybe. And if Barrett Hayton doesn't work out, you can always take him out, and that's kind of the that's kind of the idea, right? You can always you can always move guys around and do all these things. But I think I, what I would do coming out of this break, you got a game in Anaheim and a game in LA. Those are my two games where I'm I'm bringing what I have. Because, you know what? This four-line combo worked for a good amount of time. You were rolling Hall, Dvorak, Garland, Kraus, Stepan, Kessel, Keller, Soderberg, Schmaltz, and then some combination of Michael Grabner, Vinny Hennis, Drozer, Brad Richardson, and Christian Fisher. Some combination of those four. You were rolling those four lines, and it was working for a couple of, at least a couple of games, maybe more than that, right? So that was working for you. Maybe go into Anaheim with that. Maybe don't shake anything up right away. Maybe maybe just see what you got. Maybe maybe all guys needed was a rest, and they could come back with some chemistry. But on the flip side of that, maybe you want to come back out of the break. You want to get to the Ice Den Scottsdale on January 26th, on Sunday, and roll some new lines and, and kind of spend two or three practices getting those new lines some chemistry before – the Anaheim game a week from today on Wednesday, January 29th. Maybe that's the plan. I don't know. Maybe that's the right plan. Maybe that's the wrong plan. But I think you can go one of two ways with it. Personally, I would roll out those same lines and then see what I got because I think that's the best way to use everybody. However, I can see the logic of not wanting to do that because you got one good line right now, and a lot of guys just aren't going. And then I think the D pairs are something you got to work out too. I don't really want Nicholas Jalmerson playing the the left side. So, I, you know, I, I think I would, you know, want to go. I, I would see what you got with Ekman Larson and Nicholas Jalmerson because I know you want a right-handed shot with Ekman Larson, but you know what? You're playing Kyle Capobianco with him sometimes anyway. So just give me 23-4 and four, and then give me Jacob Chikrin, Alex Goligoski, and then give me, you know, Osterley or Capobianco with the Mares. And I understand Jason Demers might not be happy with you know going down to the third pair, but honestly, you know, and it's not like he's the only guy that's not playing well in the blue line either. But I think it's worth a shot at this point. And I know you want to get Ilya, Ilya Labushkin has been so up and down for me. I just don't think he's 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 your seventh defenseman at this point. I give Capo Bianco a shot. I know Demers at that point is your only right-handed shot, but I think it's what you got to do. And I know you want a righty with Ekman Larson. 
but you got to switch something up because you're just they're not getting enough offense from their blue line and a lot of guys Alex Galagoski, Jason Nemeris, even Jacob Chikrin a little bit and of course Doran Osterley, Ilya Labushkin. I mean, a lot of these guys have really really, you know, taken a, a, a bit of a step back and Alex Galagoski was so good earlier this season and Jacob Chikrin was elite earlier this season and both guys have kind of taken a step back. Alex Galagoski has definitely taken a step back. Jacob Chikrin has gone from playing elite to just kind of playing great, which is fine, but you know, he was really, really elite earlier in the season. Maybe these guys are just tired, too many minutes. I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I think uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what Rick Tockett elects to do. Is he going to switch things up right away or a little bit of a trial period coming out of the break? And then if it doesn't work, we switch things up. Let me know uh, what you guys think would be the best way to do it. And if you have any uh, you know line combinations or, or, or defense pairs you think would be interesting, feel free to tweet them. Uh, feel free to tweet them at me on Twitter. I'm at Ari Morin AZ uh, underscore at Ari Morin underscore AZC on Twitter. Uh, and of course, whenever we do listener questions, I want to hear from you guys there as well. That is going to do it for us today on Lockdown Coyotes. I am Richard Morin. You've been my audience. This has been Lockdown Coyotes. See you guys later.